Welcome to Ambo TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss them right here in studio. I'm your host, Dean. Get your preach on, get your, get your, get your preach on Windsor. And today we have a great show for you. We have sermons from Montana, Washington, and Georgia. We also have a special in-studio guest, Director Miranda DePensier is here. But first up is Pastor Levi Lusco at Fresh Life Church in Kalispell, Montana. He's in their sermon series, Ugly People. And this week, he's using the story of Ruth to teach us how to remain beautiful people even when life becomes ugly. Yes, we're back in the book of Ruth, and it's going to be great. And next, we go to Vancouver, Washington with Pastor Daniel Fusco at Crossroads Community Church. He's also in a sermon series, and it's about the fruits of the Spirit. This week, he's speaking on unity, diversity, and charity, and how we as the body of Christ must have all three of these. So stick around and find out why. Then we go to Forsyth, Georgia with Pastor Nathan Castleberry at Mountain Lake Church. He's speaking on how we have to practice both truth and grace because you really can't have one without the other can you so stick around to find out how to find the right balance between the two of them lastly we have a special guest Miranda DePensier and she's gonna talk about her new movie the Grizzlies and it's a moving true story so stick around you're really gonna want to check this out and I'll be joined in studio with minister Edward Jordan of Greater Allen Cathedral in Queens he's gonna help me break down these awesome messages and I can't wait so right now let's get to Pastor Levi in Kalispell Montana how do we how do we model our lives after Ruth? Because anybody with me, like I want more of that. I want uh, to respond to the bitter pills that, that she's been asked to swallow, like like that. When I handle hardship, I I I, I, I see four things on her journey. Uh, number one, I see a perspective. There's a great perspective that Ruth has, and it it comes from what has been written down by Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People as this idea of habit number two beginning with the end in mind. If we want to be a great leader and we want to live beautifully and live well, we don't just live in the moment. We go to the end we want and we reverse engineer our life. And if you've read that book by Stephen Covey, he talks about actually going so far as to plan your funeral service in your head. OK, you're there at the funeral service because it's coming. It's barely like a freight train towards you. You never stop moving towards it from the second you were born. But today, there's less life in front of you than there was yesterday. So your funeral's coming closer. And yes, it could be 60 or 70 years from now. Or late, but ladies and gentlemen, it could also be 20 years or 20 days from now. So when that day comes, and the text message goes out, and everyone gets over the shock enough to actually ask the question, well, when's the service? Where's it going to be? What time can I show up to pay my respects? And someone in your family or your, your, your social circle is given the, the task of speaking a eulogy. And a eulogy means to speak well of. That's literally what it means to eulogize someone. To, if you ever get asked to, to give a eulogy, they're asking you, could you get up on the platform for a minute or two or 10 and speak well of that person's life? So now they lived it. It's come. It's gone. And you are up on the platform to speak something well out of whatever material was given to you by your life. So here's my question. When your uncle or your sister or your husband or your dad or your son stands on that platform, what are you doing now to cause him to feel like he has an abundance or she has an abundance of material to work with? That's living with the end in mind. 
You're wanting to live in such a way where, where the, when they sit down to write your, th- they're, they're like, I can write 100 pages just from the last year. Character, integrity, responsibility. He is it just, just a heart of compassion that they're just like, not, not sitting there going, wow, three minutes. Whew. You know, I think dad always loved Cousin Fred best. Cousin, would you do it, right, that you're not giving them so little material to speak about? You know, dad really loved his boat. And God, he loved the golf so much. Wasn't really at my games much, but sure did love to golf. Always busy, dad was. Temper on him, too. And man, five drinks in, whew. You, you see what I'm saying? We are right now informing our eulogies through the way we live today. And Ruth lived beautifully. How? She clearly had the end in mind, didn't she? Where you go, I go. Your God, my God. Where you die, that's where I'll be buried. There's a wisdom that comes from remembering your end and reverse engineering a life to get to the end that God and that you, yourself, want you to have. And you don't have to fear it when you're prepared for it. That's one of the great revelations. In fact, now transitioning back to pretty ugly people and this idea of as we choose the person to date, single people that we're going to date and, and marry, the book of Proverbs holds up what should be the, the, the characteristics that we're looking for of a wife specifically in Proverbs 31. But really, these attributes can be applied back and forth. And there's a downplaying of the beauty that we see that we might just be all about that, of course, is important. But it's not the most important thing, because charm is deceitful. What did we say week one? And beauty is fleeting. But someone who fears God, that's praiseworthy for a lifetime. One of the things that's held up about this this, this spouse that we should be looking for is that she has, this is Proverbs 31, verse 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. This has always been one of my favorite texts in scripture, and I've I've preached it all over the country. I actually use uh, a Game of Thrones-inspired title. I call it Winter is Coming. And I've I've preached it, man, a 100 times probably, right, Jenny? I mean, just everywhere. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. And and, 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 and just this idea of of living in light of, of, of eternity, living in light of death, living in light. The Bible says, prepare to meet your maker. And only those who are ready to die are truly ready to live. And so what Esther gives for us is the perspective of backing up for a minute. Because when we're in a trial, it just feels like we're never not going to be in that trial. And there's no way through it. And no one's ever suffered like I've suffered. And God must not care. It's easy to get Naomi and turn ourselves into a bitter person. It's easy to to, just see there's no way we're going to be through this. And then we make foolish decisions. And those things compound. But to instead be like Ruth and go, hold on a second, great perspective comes from remembering the end, and that end is not here yet. So we're still alive. All right. Uh, Pastor Levi getting real, like he usually does, and joining me is Minister Eddie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, man. All right. So we're going to dive in like usual, like we okay. usually do. Um, so coming from the story of Ruth, and, and he's really talking about, you know, living your your days like you're, you know, about to die. And, and this is something 
serious. It's kind of hardcore, you know, subject matter, but it's real. And so there's these sayings like, live every day like it's your last or live your best life. And most people take that as I'm going to do what I want, Mm -hmm. right? But that can't really be what this means, right? Like, so as a Christian, how do we live to the fullest but still serve at the same time? Mm. Oh, man, I, I, I definitely agree, you know, in the sense of, you know, this is something that we don't really we don't really think about much. Um, you know, um, I heard someone say this, that, you know, uh, our appetite for eternity um, tends to be small because we have very little invested there. Mm. And so okay. I think the least time um, or the less time that we spend, you know, really sowing into what is going, you know, what is going to come in the future, um, I think the more the more that we are married to this life, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Uh, the more that we want to go ahead and, 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 and say, like, you know, this is all that I have, um, you know, we're going to be stuck here, essentially, yeah. in, 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 in that place. So, and, and I mean, it's funny, too, because you, we just happen to be dealing with something right now, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody had said the other day, you know, tell somebody, Jesus is coming, and nobody bats an eye, but tell them a virus is coming, right, and all right, of a sudden right, there's right. no paper on, there's no paper towels on the shelves, and there's right. no... All the hand sanitizer yeah, is gone. Yeah, yeah, so, is there any way, and we're going to get back to Pastor Levi Lusco, so I'm definitely going to ask you in a little bit how we can start to combat the way we act towards that, but right now, we're going to go ahead and pay some bills and take a quick commercial break. We're going to be back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were with Pastor Levi Lusco, but right now I want to get to Pastor Daniel Fusco in Vancouver, Washington. Let's go ahead and check him out. Paul begins this with this idea of there's diversity. There's all of these different gifts of the Spirit But he keeps coming back to, but there's the same spirit. Now, that's very, very important, isn't it? Because as relating to the spiritual gifts, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then Paul begins by first saying that nobody can really function in the manifestation of the spirit if they don't believe in Jesus, if they call Jesus a curse, right? And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So what that teaches is that someone's faith in Jesus, somebody being able to say, I believe in Jesus, I believe he is the Lord, I believe he is the Son of God, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. So nobody gets saved apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. It starts there. But then he goes on, and when you pick up in verse four, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are Differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversity of activities, but the same God who works all in all. So the emphasis is on the diversity within the people of God. But can we just be honest for a second? We live in a day and age where everybody loves the idea of diversity, but nobody actually knows how to handle people being different. Right? It's like, I was like, oh man, we believe in diversity, but right as someone has a diverse opinion, you unfriend them, you call them an idiot, you get rid of them from your life because they have a different opinion from you. So we're so diverse, we're so tolerant, but we're not. Right? But guess what? That's the culture that we live in, but the same stuff starts to go on in the church. Because for many of us in our insecurities, when somebody is different from us, when somebody has a different skill set, different set of passions, we end up having divisions over the diversity. But Paul starts us by saying, look, there are different gifts, right? There are differences of activities. There are different types of ministries. But notice what he says, verse seven. 
And you might want to circle this in your Bibles. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of who? All. So what he's saying is that the totality of the people of God are actually benefited, profited by the differences of gifts. Now, remember we said that we, we talked about this fallacy, this false belief that everyone's supposed to speak in tongues? If you feel, I want you to notice these verses because Paul makes it so clear that if you just read the scriptures, you're like, oh, okay. Not everybody has to have the same gifts. Look what he says, verse eight. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another, the workings of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different types of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. So what it's saying is that within the body, there are different gifts. One person has this, one person has this, one person has this. So the idea here is the focus begins on diversity. Now, if you listen to what Paul told the church in Rome, Romans chapter 12, verses three to eight, he says essentially the exact same thing. He says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but are all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Of ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. To the person who exhorts in exhortation, to he who gives with liberality, the one who leads with diligence, the person who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So you see what the focus is. The focus is on the diversity within the body of Christ. So listen, if God uses you differently than someone else, what should you say? Praise the Lord. I'm really digging this sermon with Pastor Fusco today because he's touching on a subject that not a lot of people touch on, and that is speaking in tongues and, yeah. and basically the way the Spirit comes to people and the gifts of the Spirit. So I'm also kind of feeling that it, it, it has a double meaning to where when we do receive the Spirit, we all have a different experience. Would you find that to be true? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, one of the... the the beautiful things about the way that God deals with us, I think, goes to our individuality, right? Okay. You know, um, just as we are diverse people, I think the same way the spirit uh, interacts with us is just as diverse. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, um, you know, like you said, some people may speak in tongues. Um, others may not necessarily speak that way. Right. Uh -huh. But it doesn't mean that they don't um, experience the spirit of God. Right. Like it's it's. It, it just has different manifestations and ways that it shows up. Um, and I think that's the, the beauty of just how colorful God demonstrates himself. Absolutely. Yeah. So just because, you know, somebody sitting next to you in church gets up and, and starts speaking in tongues doesn't necessarily, and be, it doesn't happen to you. You don't get that movement to do it. doesn't mean that you have to join in. Right. You don't have to kind of fake it till you make it with this. Just receive the spirit as it comes to you. And with that, well, I want to go ahead and throw it over to Pastor Nathan Castleberry. So let's go check him out real quick. We love this kind and compassionate Jesus who has dignity for all human life, regardless of what they have to offer. 
But what we see in this interaction with Jesus and with so many more of his messages and his miracles is that he was, yes, gracious, but he was also truthful. We from this conversation about history, Jacob's well, to the fact that she's an adulteress living in sin. And that information in the wrong hands was considered a capital offense. And she could be punished by death. So what we see here is Jesus exemplifying two ends of a spectrum from grace to truth. And this truth, as we're going to see as the story continues, marked her and changed her and eventually led to the entire village having a curiosity about who this Jesus is. I don't think Jesus would have been able to get to such a powerful moment of truth if he wouldn't have started with a, with a powerful act of grace and kindness. And so I think what we can take away from this interaction and so many other interactions with Jesus is that uncommon kindness makes room for an uncomfortable truth. He led out with grace but he got to a place of, of truth. He drew a line in the sand and he wasn't afraid to call out what needed to be addressed. And what I've seen in our culture these days is we lean one way or the other. We're either a whole lot of grace and not a lot of truth or a whole lot of truth and, and not a lot of grace. And I think it's more important than ever that Christ's followers learn how to present the truth and take a stand for the truth, but through the vehicle of grace. You separate one from the other, and you can actually do more harm than good. I, I grew up in the Bible Belt in a very traditional church, and for many of us who grew up in, in the South, we can kind of look at the way the pendulum has swung over the years. It used to be really, really heavy on truth and pretty light on grace. I, I remember watching one of my teenager friends come to an extremely traditional old school church with me, and an usher said, take off that hat in the house of God, and we never saw that kid ever again. For some reason, when you're heavy on truth, people feel like they have to change before they can ever come into the fold. And Jesus accepts us as we are. It's his love that eventually transforms us. It's not our self-transformation that brings about his love. So when we're all truth and not a lot of grace, it can be damaging, it can be hurtful. And so now that, that my generation is coming into church leadership, my fear is that we're swinging the pendulum way in the opposite direction, where it's a whole lot of grace and, and maybe not a lot of, of truth. And both of those in their own right can be more harmful than helpful. And what we see in the life, the ministry, the miracles of Jesus is the perfect dosage of grace and truth. The perfect recipe for lives to be changed. How often can we look through the, the gospel accounts, the biographies of Jesus and his ministry, where he would do something gracious and do something kind, and then his call to action would be go and sin no more. Grace and truth. He would often meet physical needs to address spiritual needs. Jesus knew that this woman was thirsty for something that this well would not be able to quench. And in the original language, the word choice of Jesus was not just a thirst that like, hey, I could go for a glass of water. It was a suffering, a, a, a parched existence. That's why she had cycled through five relationships looking for answers in all the wrong places. His grace addressed her with the dignity of where she was. But his truth brought her to a point where she realized, as you're gonna see eventually, something's gotta change in order for that thirst to be quenched. 
All right, so Pastor Nathan and I share something. You know, we both grew up in these really rigid, you know, religious backgrounds. And, you know, I grew up in a church where you could physically get hit, you know, by a priest for not acting accordingly. Yeah. So now that we know, and, and, and that turns people away. <clears throat> but then there's too much grace, letting people do whatever they want. That's also really not the right thing to do. So knowing that, like, how do we move forward? Yeah. I think I think it's a balance of authority and patience, right? Like, you know, um, when when you can carry the spirit of God in a way that people, you know, pick up on it. You know what I'm saying? Like you just in someone's presence and you're just like, man, I just feel better. I don't know why, but I just <laughs> it's something about you. You know, um, I think when we allow ourselves to be a conduit of God's grace and his power, um, I think that that yields people to change. Because at the end of the day, it's always a spirit, right? That's going to bring that conviction. But I think it's also patience, right? Just being able to say, you know what? Um, I don't have to see you change for you to change. You know what I mean? You don't have to change in my presence just just to confirm that you're changing, right? Like you may change 10 years from now. You may change five years from now. Um, at the end of the day, it's between you and God. So I think it's just a balance of those two things. Okay, so is it more like just giving them that that person that, that you feel needs you know the change? Is it more just giving them the message and then kind of stepping back a little bit? Yeah, giving them giving them the message. I think I think you can walk closely with someone, but I think sometimes people feel the pressure to want to make someone change right there, right now. You know, if I think you should change, you should do it right now. But just give them space and give them time. All right, I yeah. love that. Give everybody a little space and a little time. I think Jesus <laughs> would, I think he would co-sign that message. And uh, with that, we're gonna take another short break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were with Pastor Nathan, but right now I want to get back to Pastor Levi Lusco. Let's go ahead and check him out. And by the way, spoiler alert, you should read the whole book of Ruth this week. Uh, when, when God brings a, a surprise ending uh, for, for Ruth and his husband and all the rest, one of the things he says about her as he was watching her was, this is verse 10 of chapter 3, you could have had your pick of all the young men, whether rich or poor, but you didn't go after any of them. Before Boaz uh, came in and, 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 and dated her and eventually ended up being her husband, he watched her. He was watching to see, was this girl, because we, we know she was pretty, but was she pretty on the inside? Or are you going to go after someone just for the, what they could do for you in the situation? So he was, she was loyal to, 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 to herself. She was loyal to God. She, was, she would be loyal to Boaz as well. All right, third thing I see in Ruth that I love is ambition. There's ambition. There was some drive in her, right? I mean, there's some truth to that statement that fortune favors the bold. And there was a boldness to Ruth. There was a, a faith, a gutsy faith to Ruth that she was willing to take difficult steps to do things uh, to just keep showing up, so to speak. Uh, for example, they get back home. Naomi's like, now I'm bitter and everything's horrible. Let's go cry somewhere. What does she say? Ruth 2-2. Ruth the Moabite said, hey, let me uh, go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain left behind in anyone whose eyes I find, what does she find? Favor. I'm going to go out there and look for something. I'm going to go out there and try. I'm going to go out there and try and get a job. I'm going to go out there and put myself out there and see what could happen. She wasn't willing to just sit back at home and hope someone brings blessing to her, that someone shows up and, and rescues them. I'm praying for this, but you know what I'm going to do? Uh, if, if my prayer is answered, it's going to find me out there trying. Yeah. It's going to find me taking initiative. And then it says, as it turned out, 
She found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was basically the perfect person in every way to own the field that she would end up in. So how did it turn out? As it turned out, she was in the perfect field. She woke up and said, I'm going to go out there and try. I'm going to go out there. Yeah, everything you've ever tried has died. Everything you've ever tried has failed. Famine's probably going to come. You know what? I'm going to get up and try. And maybe I'll find favor. Oftentimes, we find favor when we go out looking for it. Let's go out looking tomorrow for favor. Let's believe God has a plan. Let's try. Come on, let's, let's have some ambition to try again. The last couple times you tried a business or, 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 or to apply for a job or to get into that school, it didn't work out. Let's not get bitter. Let's not get jaded. Let's try again. Let's get out there into the field. Let's mix it up. Let's try again. And let's believe we'll find favor. She takes initiative. I love the writing advice, you know, because a lot of times creative people are like, I only get creative like at 3 AM. That's when I get creative at 3 AM. To feel creative, to create. It's to be just right for the muse to come. And I like the, the, the idea that says, hey, look, if inspiration does strike, it's going to find me at my desk from 8 to 9 AM when I write for an hour. Whether I feel or not, I'm going to show up and put the hours in. And, 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 and the inspiration, if it does strike, it's going to know where to find me because I'm doing the, the hard yards of actually showing up to continue to create. I don't have to feel creative in order to create. That was Ruth's spirit. I'm going to go out to the field. Aren't you praying for God to bless me? Yep. And if he wants to bless me, he's going to find me hustling, y'all, out there doing the hard things that it takes to get some crap done. As a result, and worship team, you can come on up here, Ruth's story became one of nobility. All right. Pastor Levi, taking a little shot of creatives there. I I like it. I like it. so yeah, no, but but he really is coming from the book of Ruth. So he's talking about Ruth that, you know, he's he sees loyalty and ambition and boldness in Ruth. I mean, do you share that? Do you see those kind of qualities in Ruth? Absolutely. Um I think I think she was bold and and loyal from the moment she told, you know, um she told Naomi that she'll follow her back to her hometown, right? Like without any benefit, you know, that she saw coming for herself or any future that she thought would happen you know, for her, um, even after her sister-in-law left, right, and yeah. went back to her own people. And so um, I think that that's, that, that that's a beautiful demonstration of that that loyalty and boldness and courage. And even, of course, when she gets, you know, into the field and, and starts reaping, right, I think that she has a willing heart um, and openness um, that I think frames that idea of being bold and being loyal, being courageous. So what would be like your, because I've, especially on Ambo TV, we've had, We've seen the book of Ruth at least three times now. So, you know, a a lot of pastors love to focus on Ruth, which Mm -hmm. I think is amazing now because she didn't get a lot of shine before. So what would be kind of your biggest takeaway from Ruth? Like, man, oh, man. Um, (laughs) Aside from the from from the stereotypical wait on your Boaz kind of kind of. But um, I, I, I would say I would say, honestly, be open to God. I love it. Um, just be willing to allow God to take you on the journey um, that he's laid out for you. I love it. That's yeah. great. All right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and throw it over to Pastor Daniel Fusco. Let's go ahead and check him out. See, what we learn now is that the unity and the diversity exist in one body. 
See, before we saw it was all about the diversity of gifts, now we find that there's unity and diversity, and it exists together in the one body, the body of Christ. So I think it's fascinating that in talking about the spiritual gifts, but even though Paul is explaining that there are different gifts, he, by the time we get to the end of this chapter, he's saying, are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. That's what he's saying. Not everybody does all those things. But what he's saying is that although there are different gifts, because we are one body, the whole body has the gifts. And it's not about the individual who is carrying the gifts. It's about the totality of the body where all the gifts happen. Now, again, this is important because we live in a very individualistic age where everyone thinks my life is my own. I, I can, I'm the autonomous self, right? And, and what all the research in our generation is telling us is that the autonomous self does not do well functioning as the autonomous self. We feel less connected, more anxiety. We want deeper connections. And this was always in the Bible, that each one of us has gifts that we bring, but we're supposed to bring them together. And as the people of God, everything we need is contained within us, not just with you. And this reality is becoming more and more understood in our day and age because people are struggling trying to live an autonomous life on our own, and we're finding ourselves just really not happy. And I'm here to tell you, all of the books about how to be happy and all the ways that we try and say, I'm gonna get this thing done and I'm gonna be my best self. Listen, the Bible teaches that in and of yourself, you do not contain all the gifts that are necessary for you to be a healthy person. The whole thing is I complete myself wrong. Jesus completes us, and then he puts us into something greater than ourselves. And I think the great struggle of our day and age is to be okay with the diversity of gifts when we come together as the body. Because for most of us, when somebody is different from us in our insecurity, we, don't, we wanna push the differences away. We're like, we have our passions, and we think, why doesn't everyone have my passion? Guess what? They were never supposed to. You put us all together, and then all the passions are the passion of God to see change in the world. But as an individual, not one of us has all the passions. And in a lot of ways, and it's one of the things I love so much about the Crossroads family, who we are as a church, because we have great uh, diversity ethnically. We have great, you know, we're an intergenerational church. There's older people and younger people. You know, we have people coming from all different backgrounds, and we have people with all different passions. And instead of saying, we really care about missions, but we don't do anything locally. And some people are like, no, 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 we have to care about our community. Like, yeah, we do both of those. Right? There are churches where they literally like, people are arguing, we should be focusing on new believers. No, no, we should be focusing on growing up believers. I say, we are doing both. Because in a lot of ways, you do foreign missions, bringing the gospel across cultures, so that once you establish a church, you can do local ministry. Right? In the same way, we do evangelism when people come to know Jesus for the first time, so that then we can do discipleship. See, these things all work together. Right? Some people say, oh, we should focus on worship. Oh, we should focus on service. Guess what? When you worship, then you become a servant. Like, all these things fit together, but we have a tendency to not like the diversity of gifts. We just want the unity. 
And one of the things that our culture teaches us, and I think it's unfortunate because it doesn't work, is that unity comes from uniformity. That the only way to be unified is everyone's exactly the same. And pretty much our culture is teaching us, especially in our current political climate, that if you do not agree with somebody, that they're an idiot. This is such great content from yeah. Pastor Daniel. Yeah, so it's, I think it, on the onset, I think a lot of the times we become kind of judgy mm -hmm. when it comes to people, you know, whether they do interpretive dance during service or somebody gets up to praise or somebody starts speaking in tongues. You know, it, it's that, that's not how you worship. That's not how I worship. So I don't subscribe to that. I don't want to, is that kind of what it is? Like, like we're getting judgy with people and the way they feel the spirit? I, I, I think so. I mean, he, you know, he talked about this whole notion of insecurity, right? You know, I think, I think that there's a, a part of us that has this desire to have company, you know, where we are. And whenever we feel like we're the only one in a certain place, we get uncomfortable, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think sometimes we, we want everyone to be like us just to make us feel more comfortable being us. Yeah. Um, but there's just a beauty in being an individual, you know, and yeah. doing the thing that you were called to do the way that God called you to do it. Yeah, so uh, there's this actually, there's this really old, you know, thing where if you, if you get five guys that are 10 feet tall and five guys that are five foot tall, mm -hmm. the guys that are five feet are gonna immediately hang out with each other mm -hmm. and the guys that are mm -hmm. 10 feet, but that cannot be the way that we handle our faith, correct? Like, right. we gotta mix and mingle. Absolutely, that's the only way you can grow. Yeah, so, yeah. so is that kind of the importance now that we should be focusing on having a more diverse church? Absolutely. Um, I think I think that there is um, there's just power in being able to to have those different gifts all in one place together. You know, I think that that's how we're able to grow better and grow stronger. Love it. Yeah. All right. Grow better, grow stronger, different gifts. Get together, man. Diversity in the church is what we need. So we're going to go ahead and take another break. But we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, the home of next generation pastors. Joining me today in studio, we have a special guest, producer, actress, director, Miranda DePoncier. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for saying my name correctly. <laughs> I practiced. Last night, I sent my producer a text at like midnight and I'm pretty sure she was like, why is he still up? It's because I was trying to learn your name. I know it's not easy, so I appreciate it. I got it, but no, this is great. So um, just for the folks at home, who may not know who you are, um, you also produce a small little show that's on Netflix in its third season on Netflix right now and with an E. So awesome. Um, also uh, produced a small little film with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Mark <laughs> Ruffalo. Thanks for sharing. Amazing film. And now we are going to talk about your newest film, which also has some amazing actors in it. Uh, we have uh, Boo Boo Stewart and Will Sasso and a, a lot of just amazing talent, which is the Grizzlies. So tell me a little bit how you got into, like what, what inspired you to start directing, first of all, and, you know, because I think you started as a producer for the film, right? Yeah, and originally I was supposed to produce, so I had seen this ESPN news piece about a group of kids in a small Arctic community who were overcoming their trauma through sport. Okay. And I was very inspired by it. I had struggled with depression in high school and sports had really helped me through. So, and I love sports dramas. So I started developing it um, as a producer. And then the original director um, 
had to it took another project. It took so long to raise the money and put the movie together. And and when he left, he said, "You should direct it." And I said, "I've never directed before. What are you talking about?" And um, but I'd been spending a lot of time in the community and had found uh, these incredible Inuit co-producers from the community to work with, and I felt that there was you know, a really good support system, and they were very um, supportive of me stepping into that role. So, And I mean, I've, I've got now, folks at home don't get jealous, but I had a chance to do kind of an advanced U.S. screening, so the movie is amazing. And uh, how do you, as a director and producer, how do you feel, because Ambo TV is a faith-based network, mm -hmm. so, so how do you feel this is going to really connect with our viewers? I mean, I think this is a film that is all about faith and hope. Um, these kids came together, they, um, they leaned on each other, and they found a way through and needed to find something bigger than themselves to get through very tough times. So, I, you know, I, I think there's, there's nothing more important than faith and hope yeah, <laughs> to me. Absolutely. And we all, as human beings, struggle with issues, and young people especially, you know, um, can can um, can feel very lonely when they're struggling. So, I think it's a film that really is inspiring. Yeah, and it tells an important story too. Not only of, you know, uh, how hard it is to be a teen right now, um, but about the Inuit people, and about their particular struggle, which is, you know, it's it's something that a lot of teens, and I know even I, growing up as a teen, oh, nobody has it harder than I do. Nobody has it. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's important that way because it's showing a perspective that most teens and even adults haven't even thought of, you know, when it comes to just struggling in life. And, you know, so how important is it to you as a Canadian to kind of be able to tell this story of the indigenous people of Canada? Well, listen, I, obviously I'm not indigenous. Um, I knew nothing about indigenous people when I first went up to the Arctic um, and I've learned a tremendous amount and I really needed indigenous partners to help tell this story. But it's universal, you know, struggle is universal. And uh, we really made a lot of mistakes globally with how every country in the world did not treat indigenous people mm -hmm. well and, and many countries still aren't treating their indigenous people well. So I think how we treat others um, is indicative of, of who we are. And, you know, we all matter, we all are together, we all need to get along and I think, you know, the, the, we want everyone to be healthy, you know, a country and a community is better when everyone's well. Yeah. So now you've had screenings in, in Canada with this, correct? And I know it's nominated for multiple, it's won awards too, right? Correct? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So now after the screenings and after people, what, what have been, you know, what's the most uh, hard hitting reaction that you think you've gotten? The reactions have been amazing. I think what's wonderful about the film is for indigenous audiences, um, it's very emotional and becomes very personal mm -hmm. um, to get to, first of all, get to see versions of themselves on screen as heroes. Yeah. You know, not a lot of indigenous kids have gotten to see themselves um, represented in media. So, and, and represented in a positive way as, you know, the stars of a movie. So that's been very positive, and um, and definitely the difficult issues in the film, 
uh, and, and, and one of those issues being suicide, um, there's been kids who've come and seen the film and, and said, you know, that the film literally has saved their, life, mm. their lives. So it, that's been profound. And then, um, and then for audiences, for non-Indigenous people, um, they get to a window into a community they've never seen. They get an understanding into some history um, in North America they may not know about. But ultimately, it's just an inspirational sports drama about young people overcoming difficult times. And that, to me, is something we all can gain from. Absolutely. And it's an important film. And I mean, even though it's not labeled as a Christian film. I, I absolutely see God in this movie, and, and I really feel that it is, because it has a lot of core Christian values in the film. So I think that you know anyone that watches Ambo TV or any other Christian network really would benefit from watching the film. Now, I know it's already out in Canada. So March 20th? March 20th, we open across the US, so Check your local listings yeah. and check our, we're at um, thegrizzlies.com is our website so you can check out and we're on social media and um, come, come join us. <laughs> so are there any other projects that you might have in the works? <laughs> I, know, I definitely will come back. I have some things, I'm, you know, some, some things I'm working on and actually my um, Inuit co-producers on the film and, and I were working on another project um, that they're, they're writing and going to direct. So. It's exciting. There's a lot going on. I love this. So the film has sparked even more relationships and more films. about. That's actually, that's like living the dream there, right? So you make a film and that film inspires another film, inspires another film. It's yeah. so great. It's so great. It's really an important movie too. The Grizzlies, March 20th, in theaters, nationwide, correct? Nationwide. Everybody should go see it. And thegrizzlies.com is where anybody can find out info on the film. Please go check out this movie, Miranda. TheGrizzliesMovie.com. TheGrizzliesMovie.com. <laughs> Pardon me. So, Miranda, thank you so much for thank taking you. time to, and, and come sitting with us here at Ambo TV. Awesome. All right, please Love come back, to promise. Meet you. I'll be back. I'm back. Yay! Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, we're going to go ahead and throw it to Pastor Nathan. Well, I, I think first we've got to identify the recipe of grace and truth. Because when you remove one, we can do more harm than good. I want you to think about it like this. Truth without grace is abusive. Truth without grace lacks love, it lacks kindness, and we've all been there before, right? We've all been in the place where we can say we've got some church hurt, or somebody thought that they were the Holy Spirit's sheriff, and they were just looking to catch us screwing up, right? Like, truth without grace is how you can be right and still be wrong. And some of y'all married people know what I'm talking about. You can say all the right things, but if you've got the wrong timing or the wrong tone or the wrong temperature, it'll go out the window. And while you may have the moral high ground, you have totally lost the fight. And my fear is that when we present truth without grace, we may be proving some points, but we're losing some people. Let's not be so focused on winning a fight that we forget what we're fighting for. It's not people. It's not culture. They are the mission. Loving them is the mission. And scripture is very clear. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness that, that reels us in. It's okay to not be okay. And that was a kind, grace-filled message that people just loved. 
But we didn't finish the statement there. There was a comma instead of a period. We'd say, it's okay to not be okay. Everybody loves that. That's the Jesus at the well interacting with this woman right where she is. When everybody else would throw shade and judgment on her, Jesus meets her where she is. It's okay to not be okay, but the truly loving thing to do, we'd say, well, it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. That's grace and truth. And when you don't tell people that, you're not really helping them. All right, Pastor Nathan closing it out for us. And as we do at the end of every show, I ask our guests to kind of give the folks at home something that ties in to the clip that we just watched. So you have a message that kind of ties into that for us? Sure, sure. Um, Jesus talks about in John, um, the spirit coming in and bringing conviction to the world and pointing them towards uh, judgment and, and correction and repentance. Um, and I think one of the great things about that um, is, is that we all need that spirit when we're challenging people, loving on them. And we got to make sure that as we're showing grace and truth, that we're doing it with the same spirit Jesus did. All right, Minister Eddie, great closing comment. Uh, greater Allen Cathedral right yep. here in Queens, New York. Promise me that you're going to come back, brother. Absolutely, man. If you have me, I'll be here. <laughs> Absolutely. And to our partnering churches, Fresh Life Church with Pastor Levi, Crossroads Community Church with Pastor Daniel, and Mountain Lake Church with Pastor Nathan. Thank you guys for those inspiring messages. Thank you to director Miranda DePensier for stopping by. Be sure to check out the film The Grizzlies and to see the complete sermons and other great sermons, head over to AmboTV.com. We always have great content there for you guys. Sign up for our daily newsletter. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you guys for watching. I love you. Good night, and I'll see you next week.